Hello everyone, this is Trey Borden, and welcome to this episode of What We Gonna Do. Uh, so basically, man, um, I mean, it is wild. I think for a lot of people, this has been an extremely bewildering time to see like this extensive of a kind of battle with police that is exposing them really for the first time to some of the some of the anger and and I think that the a lot of people are are kind of have come around to it being very justified and you're seeing some of these tactics like we saw yesterday in DC where these cops kind of swoop in just breaking necks out the gate yeah and so I wanted to kind of talk with someone who kind of like has grown up around this or kind of has more insight into that and isn't surprised to see this and kind of give us a, you know, what has led to this <laughs> relationship, you know, I mean, yeah. so yeah. kind of, you know, take it from there a little bit. So like, uh, you know, first off, um, uh, I'm from New Jersey, North Jersey, Bergen County, grew up uh, in, in a couple of towns, Dumont and Bergenfield. Um, you know, these are not necessarily the hoods, right. Uh, but, I also spent a ton of time in many hoods uh, all throughout New Jersey, New York, um, you know, and especially California, everywhere, you know, everywhere in Northern California that somebody would consider a hood. I've been there, boots on the ground, you know, and know <laughs> people from there, you know. Um, and the thing you have to kind of realize about what's going on now is that you have a ton of um, opportunities for interactions with police uh, when they are on edge already, right, in, in, in a heightened state. And, um, and they're also, you know, these protests are like literally <laughs> about them. <laughs> and so, right. the yeah, you're that, like, we're here to police, we're here to pro protest you guys beating our asses. They're like, let's be some ass for real. Exactly. You know, it's a exactly. very strange response. Straight up. Um, now, and these are all, you know, these are all, this is like a, a culmination of a response to how police have been operating within these hoods, these neighborhoods, right? If anybody doesn't know what a hood is, a hood is a neighborhood, right? Like, let's say you grew up in <laughs> Beverly Hills, right? Your hood would be Beverly Hills. That'd be your hood. The hood, however, is a, is a place where you're going you're gonna to find a, a lot of people of color living most of the time. You know, are there white hoods for show? There is. I know a bunch of them in Boston. Got a homeboy from Southie, and uh, he breaks it down to me all the time. Cast is wild out there. Um, and in these hoods, uh, you generally have a, an impoverished state, and out of that poverty becomes, you know, people trying to survive by any means. You know, mm -hmm. um, and if if you've grown up um, from a young age with a serious sense of lack. Uh, you know, and, and a hunger that you're yearning to, you know, satisfy, right? Then you, you tend to build up a um, uh, uh, very, how can I put it, man? You, you, t you tend to be very resourceful. Resourceful is a good way to put it, right? And you're very bold in your resourcefulness too, because right. the alternative is hunger, like literally hunger. People don't understand, you know, you got, you got children who are going to school in second, third, fourth grade, hungry the majority of the time. You know what I mean? Not much food is available for them when they get home, you know? And, and there's a number of reasons that 
that may be, but that's reality. And so at some point, because of literal hunger, literal hunger, you know, they wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm done with hunger. I'm done, you know, and because nobody understands that I'm hungry and it seems like nobody or cares, cares, right? Because they're not actively, you know, taking measures to, to, uh, satisfy my hunger, right? Um, because of those two things, they resort to a lot of different kinds of activity, very colorful activity to, to produce the resources needed to take care of themselves. Now, okay, so, so I'm, I'm saying that as a preface to, you know, I'm not, I'll be the last person to say that the black community or any community is just full of angels who are completely innocent. But, you know, like Martin Luther King said, he said that, you know, it's incontestable that black people uh, commit crimes, but they are derivative crimes of the greatest sin that's ever been committed, you know? And this is really, truly, utterly a result of uh, a community that hasn't been reparated for 400 years of, you know, an economic um, stagnation, right? Uh, and, 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 and violence. And, and the violence that offer that stagnation that produces a 400 year head start for those who benefited, right? I mean, it's just clear that there, there should be nothing controversial in what I just said. It should be completely factual, right? All right, so we've laid that foundation. Let's get that out of the way because usually that's the excuse everybody brings and up. You did a good job doing that. I mean, I oh, think well, that's kind of like you. lays a, a rational basis, not a, like a, you know, totally forgiving basis, but like I think that that's something that people are just like getting us into the mindset of the people in these communities who then are now faced with this uh, kind of law enforcement. Yeah, and, and you know, this is something that um, I don't really have to explain to people who are very familiar with this reality. You know what I mean? Like, th this is not an explanation for them. You know, this is an explanation for those who are not aware of this kind of reality, right? Exactly. So you would think that if you were a government, you might approach that issue with, you know, um, some kind of, you know, it, it's more of like a societal response. You know, it's more of like a even like a public health issue, you know what I mean? Um, it, it's, which it's it is as well. Which it is, absolutely, you know? And, um, you know, you might, but you might approach it without a militaristic, you know, law enforcement type of perspective if you were really trying to combat the problem. You know, Pac has a great line. He says, instead of a war on poverty, they got a war on drugs so the police can bother me, right? And this is exactly what the response has been, right? Everybody wants to, to uh, address the derivative crimes that come out of living in an impoverished state without um, the necessary foundational resources uh, to even create an atmosphere that can address the issues on a, on a large scale. Um, instead, everybody wants to reduce the symptoms and the symptoms are crime in, in essence. Um, now, and I'm not saying that, you know, these communities are chock full of people committing, committing these crimes. There's a, uh, I think he's a, a lieutenant now, uh, Kerry Trzynski, who works on, um, uh, and works with Invictus Foundation, who um, I contribute to uh, Coach V's foundation in Sacramento. It does a, a lot of youth sports programs. Um, uh, it's very well received in Sacramento. But Kerry Trzynski, he said there's only about 5% of people who are committing over 50% of the crimes. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we're talking about this enormous 
piece, you know, swath of any community that's out there, you know, doing all this crime. Crime is there. not the norm. The it's norm not the is norm. Not, I'm going to be a criminal. Straight up. You know, most people don't have the goal to do something like that, you know, to be honest with you. Um, and so, uh, you know, particularly you also if you know said, that if you do it, you are very likely to get fucked up, even if you don't do it, let alone if you up. do it. So now, I mean, let's just. That, that's the other part, right? Is that, um, so Terry, Terry Trzynski, he says that, he says openly, he says, look, man, and he's a lieutenant in Sacramento. He says, lieutenant in the police department. In the police department okay. in Sacramento. And he says, um, he actually Sacramento Sheriff, sorry. And um, he says, we can't go out and arrest our way out of all these problems, right? And he's absolutely 100% correct because it's not, you know, how, how do you arrest someone so that they're not hungry anymore? You know what I mean? Like how many times can you arrest them to where they're, they're, they're satisfied and they don't hunger anymore. Like this is not a solution to the problem. Um, but in essence, when you have police all across the country who are trained and equipped to do just that, they're, they're trained to just arrest people, right? You, you mean, it's either you get a ticket, you get arrested, you get shot and killed, you get beat down, or you get let go. You know what I mean? And that last one, you know, it's not, it's not all that common. Um, mm -hmm. Now, all right, so, so we lay that foundation, right? Okay. Um, if we had uh, a way to communicate the fact that this is what's going on and, and you know, the, the needs that uh, are being expressed are not being met and therefore uh, the people who are sent to address the issue, law enforcement, is not equipped to actually fix it, you know, if that communication could occur with those who are uh, capable of producing that change, you know, you probably see change pretty quickly. And especially if those people have an interest in producing that change. But, you know, incredul in incredulity, right, is the single most effective barrier to that communication. You know, most people who are not familiar with this kind of lifestyle, you know, um, or the, the, the reality that exists in these neighborhoods, in the hood, um, they don't believe that Officer Grady beat you down for doing nothing, you know, mm -hmm. or came up and hemmed you up and picked through your pockets and stole 200 bucks from you. You right. know, they don't, they don't believe that. Like, and, and I can see why, you know, having grown up in the suburbs, you know, uh, as, from a young age, you're, you're taught that being an officer is this honorable job, which it, it absolutely is, and it's supposed to be. Um, but uh, in, in, in reality, right, not everybody who signs up to do that job operates in that, with that honorable, that, that integrity, where, you know, the, the maintaining of, uh, of law, the application of law in a justified way is, you know, the most important thing. Not everybody operates like that, right? Uh, and not everybody signs up to do that. And the reason is because, you know, you're, you're equipped to arrest or, you know, uh, har harass, maim, kill. You know, you have those kinds of tools, right? Um, and I mean, also, like, I'm not sure what the screening process is for these people, but I think a lot do come from, you know, military. Back. I mean, first of all, look what it means to be a cop, you know? I'm, I'm an effective communicator. I'm able to de-escalate problems. I'm pretty creative about how to, you know, present solutions to things. It would never cross my mind to go into law enforcement. Never, right? <laughs> never. Never, never. I mean, there's a variety of reasons for that. I'm gay and also, like, I have other options, but, um, I mean, here they go. Yeah. De-escalating, I'm sure. 
I'm sure. I'm sure. Hold on one second. Baba. All right. So look, um, you mentioned before, uh, even if you don't engage in that activity, right, you can still feel the brunt of, you know, the, the kind of policing that we have. Right. Um, and, and that's where it is truly the most problematic when like, let's say, you know, you live in North Jersey or New York and stop and frisk, even though it's unconstitutional, it's still very much uh, in effect. Right. And so what happens is you're walking down the street with your friend or by yourself uh, and a cop or two cops either flank you or, you know, just walk right up to you and they tell you to put your hands on the wall or the car and they begin to go through your belongings, right? Uh, you know, you're supposed Even to that do- that is very difficult to imagine. It's imagine for me walking down, if I'm in Sacramento, walking on K Street, minding my business, and two, a cop car rolls up or two and says, hands on the wall, I'm gonna check you for drugs. Like, I think if most people in America went through just one of those experiences, they'd be like, we need to get these guys off the street. Dude, I, I, I would love for everybody to experience what that's like. I want someone I to really stop and press Donald Trump and see like how yeah, he you likes know what I mean? you know? Even Hillary Clinton. Paint him black and first. Her, you know what I mean? And, and, <laughs> and so like, you know, imagine that that is- Bloomberg. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. Tell me about it, right? But that's daily life. That's daily life, man. At any given moment. You wonder why- young kids, young black kids, young Latino kids run when they see a cop, like just flat out run. Cop bends the corner and they're booking it down an alleyway or somewhere, you know what I mean? Opening up a building and going a hallway, just getting out of the way. Here's why. is because let's say, you, let's say you're, you're stopped and you're being frisked. Um, you may say, you may, you may have enough uh, knowledge of the law to know that this is not acceptable, right? You're not supposed to do this. But trying to enforce that onto a police officer is very problematic for you. You know, it could be very dangerous for you. It could be I, deadly I remember, for you. It could be deadly. Uh, and I remember this phrase that, I, you know, you hear a lot, man, back east is, you know, all right, hey, what's your badge number? And the cop immediately asks you, what you need that for? What you going to do with that? You don't need that. What you asking that? You know, what, what are you doing? Uh, and... That can turn into whatever he was going to do into, all right, well, you know. Well, now I'm, I'm going to find something you. for sure. Yeah, you know. you know what I mean? And if I don't find anything, I just say you're resisting arrest. How, I, I don't know the exact statistics. But, you know, I'd love to look it up. But it's astronomical how many people are arrested for resisting arrest. For resisting arrest. That means there's no initial charge. There's no initial charge. You're just being charged with a resisting the, the initial charge that doesn't exist. What a circular way. It's like, I'm arresting you because I'm arresting you. Exactly. That's literally what that means. And, and you said, and you said, stop. And, and, you know, that's it. Really, like, I challenged the authority or I questioned, you know, the integrity of the authority you're exercising right now. You know, do you really have the right to do this to me today in this situation? Um, and no, they don't. But, you know, it becomes a... Uh, uh, you know, it becomes like a very, how could I put it, man? Um, a very, I'm trying to find the words for, look, I'll just say it straight up, right? Yeah, say uh, it straight up. Please, please don't spare me. You know, nigga, how could you question me, nigga? How dare you have the audacity? You just a nigga. 
you're just a nigga and, and you have no power. You're not, I don't even consider you human. How dare you question me and my authority? Do you know what I could do to you? Oh, you don't? Let me show you and begin to walk down this path. You know, and so how many, how many young black males, women too, right? Latino males, you know, uh, how many of them have on their record as their first offense a resisting arrest charge? You know what I'm saying? And then what do you get for that? The probation, you know, or it, I think nowadays it's a felony uh, to, to resist arrest, right? But if that's your initial charge, you know, you've now entered into the system uh, in an unlawful way. And you begin to feel the effects of that for a number of years. And if you don't comply perfectly or, which, which feels even worse, if you do comply perfectly, but it just so happens because you're in the same neighborhood, could even be the same cop just decides to choose you that day. You know, now you have a violation. Now you're back in jail. You know, now you've just re, re-stirred up the pot, reset the clock on your punishment and you're going before a judge and uh, let's say you go before a judge, right? Dude, it's crazy, man. Because the judge also, who are they going to believe, man? A, a, an officer of the law, you know, in good state. Who they have to deal with all the time, by the who way. they deal with all the time. They're just their buddy. They know this guy. You know what I mean? And they know that he's always given, being given a hard time by niggas. You know what I'm saying? Like, all the time. They're always lying and saying this guy, this guy who I know, this guy, look at this guy's face. Look how clean cut he is. He's got a job. He, this guy has a degree. Are you, tell, mm. you niggas are telling me this guy spit on you or robbed you of money or unfairly uh, or, or you didn't assault him. He just decided to beat you out the blue. Get out of here. Get out of here with that. You know, and this incredulity, it, it, it's in the minds of so many people all throughout America. Right. Like it's not all just of, in the all of whom are in charge. All, all of them are in <laughs> charge like or our yeah. spectators just watching mm-hmm. it on the news, you know, or just hearing about it, third party, fourth party, you know, and they can't believe it. No, I, I, I don't believe it, you know. Um, one thing that happened to my aunt, um, which is like a very small thing, but it actually is terrible that it happened. My aunt, she's a little Filipino lady, nurse in Dumont, New Jersey. She got into uh, uh, an accident um, where somebody rear-ended her, right? And she got out the car and she's ready to get information. And this lady isn't giving her information. She's on the phone and uh, she's on the phone with her husband. And she, t- she says, my husband's going to be here in a little bit. Her husband shows up in a cop car because he's a cop. And he writes up the incident as if it was my aunt's fault, even though she got rear ended. And, you know, her insurance goes up and, and whatnot. Um, but that's a small thing, a small example of the kind of impunity that they, they could roll around with. And I'm not saying all cops, you know, I'm, I'm not saying all cops. Not, but hashtag not all cops. Hashtag not all cops, you know what I'm saying? And, and I'm not saying that the job is easy either, but where we have the breakdown is, you know, is, you know, the reason why all these people are protesting right now is that an officer can do that and not face charges, not face any kind of punitive measure at all. You know what I mean? And, and it's so commonplace. It's so regular, man. I, I would, you know, having police be accountable for things nowadays is so shocking to me. I just can't believe it because I'm so used to them acting without any kind of, of reprimand, you know, any kind of reproach at all. And the full weight of the system, you know, uh, 
filing in behind them on whatever they decide to do. You know, that's so common. And well, so they would rather, I mean, it's almost like, I mean, there's something you said earlier I want to comment on, which is that like, it's not an easy job, but no one, you're not born into police work. You're not. That's a job that you, <laughs> that's, you're, you're not like, it's not descended. I mean, a lot of it is like people have family histories in the force, but I'm like, no one asked you to be a fucking cop. No, I mean, you know, we're not over here being like these bra this brain surgeons lost every patient, but it's a hard job. Straight up. Get uh, that bitch out the operating room. <laughs> that's all we want. Right. I mean, you know, if you or at least go before a properly, board and prove that you won't do it again somehow. You know, I think there should be like if there's a three strike rule for felons, you know, three and you're done. I think the same thing should apply to police work. You know, like if you have three uh, cases where you know, you clearly been egregious in the way you've been exercising your authority, you know, you're outside the bounds of, you know, the policies set in place, um, you know, you should be gone. You, you know, you shouldn't just be transferred or, you know, reassigned to another department to continue to do work, to continue to have a badge and a gun and cuffs and, you know, uh, you know, the, the discretion to take anybody to jail or prison or, you know, whatever, you know, um, and I can't stress enough, man, how how real this is for people on a daily basis. I remember uh, and I'm not so much this way now. Uh, and I've, I haven't been an angel ever in my life. Right. But, um, you know, I remember. None of us have, like, Teddy. Huh? I said none of us have. Yeah. And who has? Right, but right? in my high school, no one was running around tossing kids on a locker, checking shit for weed. Or we'd have a lot of chads in jail. Oh, man, tell me about it. Sorry, so look, Chad. Hey, man, here, here's, here's an example, because I went to a private high school, and, man, I, I was blown away by how much these white kids was doing drugs, having sex, I mean, doing all kinds of stuff, um, and, and not even trying to hide it. You know, like uh, where I'm from, you know, we take doing any kind of uh, nefarious activity, like smoking weed or whatever, you know, we, we take that very serious, right? Like, like don't, if you're going to switch lanes, use your blinker. Uh, stop full stops at stop signs because we don't want to give them, you know, cops any reason to stop us, right? We like, we know that they're going to try to do it anyway, but you know, if we could just at least adhere to the rules, that's one point that's on our side, right? Um, but you know, when I hang out with my friends in, in private school, they didn't care about none of that. They, they didn't care about being discreet. You know, I mean, they'd hide it from their parents, but that's about it. You know, like they, they didn't care about anything. They would just be very flagrant about the things they did. And they did, you know, stuff that me and my friends would never do. <laughs> you know, of they were course. snorting all kinds of stuff, popping all kinds of stuff. I mean, we'd never do that. Um, and it was just such a stark contrast in the way that, you know, um, those two kinds of people were able to, to, to live their life, you know. It's wild. Oh, and most people are not even exposed to both, right? I mean, Absolutely. that's part of the issue, right? Like if you dropped off a white kid in the hood for two weeks, they would yeah, become man. a radical leftist, <laughs> you know? <laughs> They'd be yeah. like, they would not be in the Young Republicans Club if they had any close to an idea of that. And I mean, honestly, if the people in the hood even knew the true extent to which the privilege is extended, they might, have, <laughs> they might be burning down Jesuits and freaking Harvard Westlakes every day, you yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they might get to that point here, but... I think that I want to get back to kind of like the mentality of the police. Cause like, sure. you know, and I'm not sure what kind of first person encounters you've had that you can speak to. Cause I don't want people to be able to say, you're just saying whatever stories you want. No, but I, I, I'm just trying to, a lot of us are also like 
I, you have given, I think, a wonderful context about like what it's like to be on the kind of minority side, the, the deprived side, the abused side. What insight do you have just from a, your own encounters is like the mindset of the cop? Because like a lot of people, even if they can, you know, accept that these people don't deserve mistreatment and they're getting it, it's really hard to accept that there's cops out there just trying to fuck with niggas. You know, that's it. It's not even because they're being, you know, bossy or they're being shot at or they're seeing egregious crimes. It's just that like they are there to do that. Like when Absolutely. I looked into the eyes of the guy whose neck, whose knee was on George's neck, I'm like, that dude was enjoying that shit. Yeah, man. That, oh man, they get a kick out of it. I I, I know they do. Uh, um, and let's so, say not all cops, just to preface, not all cops. But I mean, I cops. want some examples where you've seen cops for sure. Um, Hashtag so, them cops. So my first year driving, I was 17. Uh, you know, I was not finally able to, able to drive without a permit. Um, and so I was driving. Uh, I drove three different cars where I got pulled over in a 96 Chevy Blazer, um, a 2003 Highlander. And I was 17 in 2003, I believe. Um, and, uh, a, a 2003 or 2002 G 35 infinity. And, um, my first year driving, I got pulled over 13 times and I got searched five times and I never got a ticket. Okay. That, that first year I got tickets after that, but that first year I never got a ticket. Never got arrested or anything. And despite 13 pullovers, just in 13 pullovers, you know, one, uh, at least once a month in, you know, in my first year driving and, uh, you know, the car searched five times. Now, when I was, when I was 17, I didn't know that I could say no to cops when they wanted to search the vehicle. I thought like, you just, you can't do anything about it. They're just going to search it, you know? So every time they, they said, all right, I'm going to search the vehicle. I just got out of the car and, you know, what, they sit me down on the curb. Sometimes they put me in cuffs and I'm sitting there on the curb in cuffs while police are rummaging through my car and people are driving by and I know what they're thinking. Oh, they got a nigga, got another one. You know what I mean? Even though I haven't done anything, but that perception though, you know, lasts in their mind, you know, and they think about it. Uh, and that might, might even be a story that they tell at breakfast in two weeks somewhere, you know, when they're sitting with their friends. Um, but, you know, cops would just ask me to get out of the car or tell me get out of the car that they're going to search it. I would just comply because I had nothing to hide, number one. And number two, you know, I'm not trying to go to jail. You know, I'm not trying to escalate this situation. You're 17 also. I'm, I'm 17, like you know. Um, and uh, so that would happen. I, I remember one time on my birthday, um, this cop pulled me over for uh, – like, I think it was running a stop sign, but I didn't run the stop sign. Like, I know I didn't. And, uh, but he pulled me over anyway. Uh, oh, I've been pulled over tons of times for, uh, we got a call about a suspicious vehicle in the area. And if, look, man, if you're from New Jersey, right, if you're from North Jersey in particular, you know that you can drive through um, five or six different uh, jurisdictions in a span of like 10 minutes, right? Sure. These are small towns that have their own, you know, municipalities, have their own police departments, but there may be just one street that goes through all of them uh, within a, a very short period of time, right? Um, so, you know, it's funny that I would get, there would be a call about me driving through somewhere when I've only been there for like 30 seconds, you know what I mean? I've only right. been there for like maybe a minute at most, right? You know, um, and there was a call and this guy just found the car that it was about and responded, you know, right away. Tons of times I've been, uh, I've been uh, uh, pulled over on, on that alone. Um, I remember in Dover, New Jersey, I was driving with my boy, um, Vernon, and um, 
we were driving like right next to a cliff and I was going like 40 miles an hour, even though the speed limit said 55, because it was like 11 o'clock at night and it's a cliff, right? Um, and I saw a cop drive past me in the opposite direction and we made eye contact. And Vern said right away, he's gonna pull us over. And sure enough, this guy books a Yui, pulls us over. And the first thing he says is, why are you driving too slow? Even though like he really didn't have a read on me until he got behind me. Um, but I said, there's a cliff and it's nighttime. Um, and then the first two questions that they ask, hands down 100% of the time, all across America is uh, license registration, right? And then do you have guns or drugs in the car or are you on probation? Like they get right down to business. Cause look, if you're on probation or parole, right? Um, it's a, it, we don't have to go through any of the, um, you know, the formalities of trying to rummage through your stuff, trying to see what you got. We can just get you out of the car right now. We can just get down to business, which, you know, they want to go find guns or drugs. Because, yeah. because being on parole is kind of like, like the presumption of innocence is diminished or? Well, so when you're on parole or probation at any given moment, at you any given searched. moment, you could be searched and your house can be raided at any given moment, as many times as they want. Wherever you're living at, can, they can pop in three o'clock in the morning, one, five, it doesn't matter. They could just knock on your door, open the door, and you know, we want to search it. You know, you're, on parole, you're on parole or probation. Like, that's it. You know what I mean? You can't say nothing. Uh, and you know, when it comes to probation and parole, you, know, you get sentences like five and, and seven years, eight years, three years, where that's reality. You know, and, and if you are one of these uh, black men, Latino men, look, if, if, you're, if you're problematic, like if, you're, if you just keep finding yourself in situations that are going to violate you, you know, then the, that opens the door to doing all that stuff. If you're just asserting your rights, if you're, if you're just saying like, look, man, um, I just, you know, you guys just came in like yesterday or th two days ago. Like, what are you back here for? You know, or I've been pissing clean for a year. I've been making all my meetings. Why are you bothering me? You know what I mean? Just little things like that could set somebody in a mode to where they just want to make an example out of you now, quote unquote, an example. You know, they just want to, they just want to push you around because they feel like you're challenging their authority in a way that they just can't accept. And that, that's like, that's like the ultimate, look, if every, if every cop was just level-headed, uh, didn't try to infringe on the rights of, uh, of citizens and just, you know, and was truly about stopping crime, you know, and, and limiting, you know, the, the health and safety, the well-being of the public, the pre preservation of property. If every cop was just like that, that would be cool. I mean, I wouldn't have no problems. There's no laws on the books that need to get created, you know, for uh, an ideal environment to exist, right? There's no new laws that need to be created. We just have to enforce the ones we got. And that's the problem, right? So if a, if a cop is out of line, uh, you know, if a cop pulls me over and orders me to get out of the car, and if I resist, this guy's going to threaten me with jail time, saying I'm resisting arrest, you know, whatever. And, and now under duress, I decide to get out of the, the vehicle. You know, if that cop, would, if, I would, if I was able to report it to somebody and those people care what I had to say and go and address that issue and investigate and find out if there was some wrongdoing, dude, that would be, that would be great. That would be, that would be awesome. That would be all we're asking for, you know, it, and accountability in a nutshell, and that's the pinnacle of what we're aiming for here. And so when you look at these, I mean, I'm not, you know, obviously you can only speak kind of from your perspective, but like, I know that you uh, are part of the nation 
yeah. and Nation of Islam. Um, yeah. And they have tactics that I think, because, you know, it's hard to imagine a different way of being, particularly with the police force that we have. And we're seeing, I mean, people are getting shocked out of their minds seeing how some of these cops are behaving. And it's a lot of white people out there who are protesting. And so I think that like... feeling that brunt of that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, like, you know, and so that's a different element of this. But I think that, you know, it's hard to imagine even if every cop said, I'm going to be better. You know, like it's, there's no real model for what that looks like, except for maybe some of the activities you participate in. Tell me how give me a sense of kind of what the reaction is when someone does come into the community who is coming from a loving, let's fix this shit, not trying to abuse you, wait, stern and trying to uphold a certain ethic, but not with an attitude that like, I'm here to punish and abuse and keep you down. For sure. For sure. So in the nation, right. Um, in the nation of Islam, we are taught that every human being has a capacity to be God or the devil. Right. And so, we're taught, you know, to see ourselves as God and to act godly, right? Um, and, it, you know, if I can see myself as that, as God, right, then when I go see other people, like, I want for them what I want for myself if I'm being godly about it, and I want to treat them as if they're God, right? And so when we go into a community, so what we do is we, we push. It's called pushing. We either bring papers or, you know, anything, uh, food or whatever. And we go into bean the community. Pies. Bean pies, right? Yeah, the be- <laughs> best thing ever, best pastry ever ever created. Straight up and down. Go get you one if you ain't had one yet. I can't, um, I can't wait. Straight up. And so uh, what's it called? We go into the communities. Yo, every hood, the most, you know, the, the, the place in wherever city that you live that no one dare goes because of all the stories about it, we're there promise you i've been i'm not even from sacramento and i've been in every single hood in sacramento pushing that paper or you know uh you know or pushing a bean pie or whatever i've been in every single one of those hoods and we don't get nothing but love and respect because we give love and respect and we want the same goals that the law enforcement wants or at least should claim to want um we we want to reduce crime we don't want you know, uh, young black men and women, Latino men and women, anybody really selling drugs to their community. They shouldn't. You know, it's it's a it's a poison that, um, you know, has adverse effects generationally in, in our community, it, it, especially when you tack on the, um, you know, the effects, of, the impact of the criminal justice system. Right. Mm. Um, and we don't want uh, people to have to steal. We don't want them to be breaking into each other's houses or robbing each other, you know, and, and creating vendettas now. Somebody want to go do something very drastic and permanent about it. We don't want that. Um, we also don't want, you know, we don't want gangs that are operating in criminal activity. We, we don't mind a healthy brotherhood and a sisterhood. That's fine, which is what a lot of these gangs are. But out of their necessity to, um, you know, to provide for themselves and their family or whatnot, you know, they resort to, um, they have a trade, you know. Yeah, that yeah you know what I mean. They have a trade. They pro- they provide a, a a a need in a community, right? And uh, and they earn a living doing that. Um, we also don't want any woman or man, for that matter, to feel like she needs to sell herself, her body, in order to to get in, uh, make a living. You know what I mean? We don't want uh, women to feel like the only thing they have to offer this world is their their bodies you know, to strange men who's going to pay a little tiny bit of money 
You know right. It's not like it's a lot of money. You yeah. Know? It's not like it's, it's a lot of money. It's definitely not what you're worth, sister. You know? <laughs> exactly. There we go. <laughs> not even there close, you, you know? And we don't want women to have to, to, to do that. And so we want a lot of the same things, you know? Uh, um, we go into those communities with the same goals in mind. Um, and the difference is we don't come with a gun at all, ever. We don't carry guns. We don't have guns in our homes. And um, the reason is because guns have been killing people of color for centuries. You know what I mean? And in the latest trend, we've been, you know, in the last 50 years, we've been using it on each other the most. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And, and not having a gun present eliminates that out of the equation completely and now at least from you i mean do you guys ex and you guys said that no one really fucks with you i mean i'm sure there's exceptions to everything but oh yeah you know, like, um, you know well everybody knows that we we have a very strong brotherhood so you know if somebody decided to do something to me that was drastic and permanent that would only begin their problems right that would only start the beef it wouldn't end it and everybody kind of knows that we've had a few examples of a very few but a few examples uh, in communities across America where we're not going to tolerate that. Uh, but for the most part, you know, we're coming uh, respectful, super respectful. We're in your hood. You know what I mean? We're not coming to disrespect you at all. And which which is the foundation for great police work, which would be anyway, the foundation for great police work. And some officers take this approach initially. We ask what the people need. What do you need? man? How can we help you? Not what are you doing wrong? You know, well, wait, let me let me find out where you're, you know, messing up at. You know what I mean? We're not sure. doing that. We're not assuming, you know, that they're guilty of anything. And even if they are, we want to fix the overall problem that will eliminate that small symptomatic, uh, you know, occurrence. You know what I mean? That habit that they might have of doing that. If we can get to the, the main root, which is, you know, elevating themselves into seeing themselves as God straight up. Now, no sky daddy out there. Nah, God up in here, you know what I mean? Right. And realizing that the power to change your life is in your own hands. Um, and so when we come like that, man, what, what could they do, man? What could anybody do? Well, I mean, but that's the same, that's the same courtesy and respect that's offered to these white kids. You know, I mean, that's all, that's the only difference. Absolutely. It's like you see, you see Billy or you see Samantha and you're not automatically seeing a bitch up to no good. Straight and maybe up. they are, but at least they get the benefit of the doubt. So where do we go? I mean, like, here we are. I'm in Hollywood right now. Um, and, and, this is, and this is, you know, looting aside, that's a whole different conversation. We're talking about the actually very, very legitimate and vital grievances that need to be addressed that these protests are about. And you For see sure. that these, even these peaceful protests are soliciting sometimes even harsher tactics than, uh, than have, you know, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's really difficult to see kind of how we proceed from here. Like, what do you think, what could be possible given, given where we're at, where we got militarized police who are treating us, every citizen now, not just blacks like Absolutely. victims or like, like enemies, like enemies yeah. of this, like we are terrorists. Yeah. At the same time that we're saying this very treatment is what has us here in the first place. Like, 100. it's like, how do we, what would what would it take you think to mend that relationship if so at all look, possible you know, and if you don't think it's possible i'm i'm down to hear that too well so look i, I here's a, here's a, a a part of it right is that um you're seeing the treatment that goes on every day you're seeing that now because there's so many interactions with police right and this is just what they're used to doing you know the the way white women are being just 
thrown to the ground, I mean, violently, just smacking their head on the pavement and whatnot, is the same way they've been treating women of color in the community as grandmama, auntie, you know what I mean? Not all cops, but it, it goes down like that. You know, it's very, it's violent. Well, they would they, say no cops. So huh? I'm okay. I mean, th these people act like it's no cops, barely. If oh, it's not sure, on video, it's sure. no cops. Even the ones on video, they barely want to admit are doing it. So Look, you I'm know, okay maybe in their hood. No cops. No cops do that. You know what I mean? Maybe that's true in their hood. You know what I mean? But in many hoods around America, it's not the case. Um, and so, so all that is happening um, because that's what they know. They're resorting to what they know. They're, they're militarized because they get all this surplus equipment from the military every year, from the, from the defense fund every year. Um, and it just gets dispersed throughout police departments in America. And so, you know, then they train on this. And unless there is a riot or a protest even going on, just a protest, uh, you know, they, they can't pull all these toys out to use them. And, uh, you know, when they put on that gear, they're getting ready for war. This is army surplus gear. You know what I mean? Like this is what they would be holding in Afghanistan. In Fallujah, Iraq, yeah. In Fallujah, you know what I mean? So, you know, when they put that on, like they're going, they're, they're in a mindset not to come with love and respect and all this stuff. Well, you know, also to expect... Oh, oh yeah, resistance. Oh, if I'm sure. putting on a, our suit of armor and a giant gun and a ballistic missile, I'm not over here thinking like we're just going to handshake and talk it out. That's not yeah. what the purpose of the. You couldn't even totally. do that in that. Word, word. It, it, uh, you know, you're not you're not prepared. You don't have that tool in the toolbox for that job. You know. Um, now, so and I and I say that to say this is that I I 100 stand with all the protesters. You know. Um, I don't condone looting and rioting, you know, or, or vandalism. Uh, but, you know, if somebody is as angry as I have been for the better part of my life, you know, uh, for my whole life, really, uh, I can understand why they might resort to that, especially if they don't feel like they have any other avenue or recourse for addressing the problem. You know, I could see why they might do that. I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying I kind of understand. I kind of understand where they're coming from. And I, I wouldn't encourage anybody to do that. I don't think anybody should be vandalizing anything. I don't think anybody should be destroying any property or hurting anybody in this, in this, you know, kind of, uh, in this display, right. Of, of resistance and, and, um, you know, disapproval, dissatisfaction. Um, how, and I feel like protesting does an awesome job of raising awareness and bringing the topic of discussion to the forefront and making it, you know, um, something that m people who normally would never have to think about this, weigh in on their opinion. I think that's great. Um, and I think also in conjunction with that, uh, because this is a war, you know, the, the war for equality, freedom and justice, this is a war that's fought on many, many, many fronts. And whatever front you decide to take on that, you know, that's totally up to you. Uh, whatever we could do to help, you just let us know. It's good. Got you. Um, but I think in conjunction with that, you know, you have a school of thought that's about bringing the conversation to those who are in authority, right? And those who are in authority and convincing them to, um, to enact policies that may already exist uh, of accountability uh, to correct the behavior that the community is saying that they're experiencing on a daily basis, right? That are leading up to, you know, uh, uh, that, that, that allow, that create an atmosphere that allows an officer to put his knee on the back of the neck of a handcuffed black man until he's dead or to shoot an 18 year old Mike Brown or to, you know, uh, you know, 
Uh, or twelve-year-old Tamir, twelve-year-old Tamir Rice, or, just to, or just a sleeping say, Brianna Taylor. Oh man, or, you know? or Ayanna I mean, Jones, who who seven years on old on. gets yeah. blown, her head's blown off in her in her uh, in her living room while she's sleeping. You know, so the the atmosphere that allows for all that to occur, you know, needs to start from an accountability space. If this was a business, you couldn't treat your customers like this and expect to continue going on doing business right but because this is not a business because the checks can get cut whether you do a good or well, a bad i mean we job. can make, we can have the whole conversation about whether it is a business but oh yeah oh yeah that's a whole nother piece I mean, right it's like you let's know, leave that there uh, but i'm saying that's not off the table yeah that's not off the table you know but in terms of treating the community that way you know there is a school of thought that's trying to address those in authority and convince them persuade them to do their job properly right and then i think that there is another group and i'm not saying that any of these groups are wrong. I, don't, I wouldn't want to uh, discredit anybody's thinking. But for me personally, you know, having had many conversations with many police officers and, and some police officers I'm friends with to this day, um, you know, I don't think that you're going to convince this machine to relinquish power. I don't think that's going to happen. And, and to try to take power away from them, you know, you know this is a, 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 an entire machine of well-organized, well-armed people. Well-funded. Well-funded people, right? Who are very strategic and have access to, you know, a great deal of uh, communication surveillance uh, programs and whatnot. And, and you know, um, can really like uh, strategize around a, a, a common enemy, right? Very quickly. Uh, I don't think you're going to convince that they're a police force. Power. Yeah, you know what I mean? You know, I mean, yeah, what, you know. I mean, like literally a military at this point. Like, who, that's who we trust to defeat enemies and to, right. or to wrap up, you know, organized crimes. Except exactly. this is the organized crime. Exactly. And so this well, that's, other how, school it's, that's thought, how it's parts of it are going. Uh, yeah, it, it could be like that for sure. You know what I mean? Uh, and, you know, uh, yeah, we could argue that. Uh, you know, that's definitely a point to, to raise, right? Uh, but then there's this other school of thought that is focused on building, you know, an, an alternative space, a, a municipality, a township, you know, a local government that doesn't operate like that, that, you know, where if, if you agree in freedom, justice, and equality, you know, apply to all, regardless of race, creed, class, color, gender, you know, if that's a kind of society that you, you know, um, could subscribe to, you know, uh, well, there's a school of thought out there that's about building that, right? And, and will it be perfect? No, it will not be perfect. Probably won't be perfect for generations because we only know- Because, we're, because we're human beings who are going to be living there. Exactly. And we're used to this type of, you know, um, government, governing system that we have already. Like this is, the, this is the framework. This is the reference in our head of how these things should go, right? So to shake that is going to take a lot of trial and error. But, um, you know- the reason why this world exists the way it does is because there is no alternative. You know, these, all the people who are protesting, all the people who are fed up with the way things are going, if they had an alternative, they would just go and support that, you know, instead of trying to plead to the people in power to change their ways, you know? Uh, and I think that, um, I, I don't want to discredit anybody's thinking at all, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a God. I believe you all are gods. Right. And I don't want to be telling another God what to do. Right. If whatever they want to do, they, they're going to do it anyway. Uh, I can resist that if they're trying to encroach on me, you know, 
But at the end of the day, I'd rather create an environment where we don't even have that as part of the equation, you know, because it could go downhill very quickly. Um, and, you know, if, if somebody, uh, if people knew about or anybody who wanted to go and build that, if there was like a, a way to, to tap in with each other and, and there, there are people doing it all around the country, um, engaging in that strategy. Um, but it, and if you, if you subscribe to that, man, join it. If you subscribe to the one where you want to change the hearts and minds of those in, you know, in power, do that. And if you feel like you're going to be best served with boots on the ground in the street, do that. You know, whatever you feel like is the place where you need to reside in, you know, mentally, emotionally, you know, if you feel like the war could be fought on this front, if it's in medicine, if it's in the finance sector, if it's in technology, you know, wherever you think that Legal. you can fight for, huh? Is it legal? Yeah, I mean, for sure. For sure. You know, if you feel like that's where you could be best utilized, if you could be a soldier for freedom, justice, and equality for everybody in that field, then go ahead. Go right ahead. And that's where I think everybody should, you know, focus their attention on. Well, Teddy, this has been extremely instructive. I'm glad we took the full hour because everything you said we need to hear. And I think a lot of us are very bewildered. And, and I, you know, I'll be honest, I am deeply pessimistic about the the possibility of reform without some even more drastic crisis you know and it i don't can't know get much worse it can't it, it can't but i've it said can. that several times oh yeah, yeah no yeah, i it said can. it can it oh yeah i was can. like every time i say that then like something worse happens so yeah. i'm like Look, how can we stop it how can we stop it getting worse and then the, maybe dude, we can think about tell you what, a better thing going uh there's a you know the 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 thin blue line at the brotherhood, the fraternal order of police, you know, is trying to protect their brothers and sisters in law enforcement, right? And the absolute best way you can protect all the members of the law enforcement community is by addressing those who are improperly doing their job, you know, keeping it real. We have it on video. We are not dumb. The public is not stupid. We see exactly what's going on. Um, the best way to protect law enforcement and the citizens altogether is that, you know, ad addressing the ones who aren't doing their job properly. You know, the people who aren't, you know, I, I got to In my household, I got to apply the rules that are for my kids. I got to apply that to myself, dude. That's that's real justice. You know what I mean? That's how we can create a, a true sense of equality. And I don't denigrate anybody. I, I don't consider anybody a second class citizen because of that policy. You know, because, uh, you know, I apply the law to myself first and then everybody else. And if if you want to make sure I look, I don't want to see I don't want to see cops dead and I don't want to see protesters dead. I don't want to see activists dead. We've had a long there's a long history of all of that. Long, long history of all of that. And we're still even worse from when they were, you know, back then. So, um, you know, what I would like to see, if you really want to just put an end to it, I mean, I, I seen in Camden, New Jersey, I think it was, um, which Camden used to be like the worst murder rate in the, in, in the United States. Um, but in Camden, New Jersey, I believe it was where uh, the officers marched with the protesters. They had on their riot gear and whatnot, but they held up signs with the protesters, right? And they were saying no justice, no peace, no racist police, right? Now, whether that gets enacted into policy is a whole nother thing, but that's, a, that's an incredible That goes a start. long way. That goes know? such a long way, man. 
that's, that speaks volumes, just the imagery speaks so much, you know, in terms of the mentality, a different, an alternative mentality you could use to approach these issues. And that's, bro, like, that's, that's what everybody wants. You know, Tyrone kills Jamal, Tyrone goes to jail for life, 25 to life in the penitentiary. There's never been an exception for that, right? But when officer so-and-so kills Tyrone, nothing. Paid administrative leave, desk duty, reassignment. You know, th this is what we have a problem with. And it's one thing, bro, look, t nobody has to tell me that, you know, there are people in, in the hood who have guns and are ready to, to squeeze it on anybody, no matter, you know, whether you're blue, black, or brown, you know what I mean? Ready mm -hmm. to pop that thing on anybody, right? Like, pff, they, they, they're going to do it, right? But we have never seen those guys getting shot. We've never seen those guys getting killed. You know what I mean? We're not talking about people who are gangbangers or drug kingpins or real thugs who have gotten killed by police, you know, uh, unjustifiably. We've, you know, we've only seen regular folks, man. Yeah? Just regular everyday folks getting it. Um, and they got to so, dig deep to find anything, you know, on half of them. Straight up. You know what so, I mean? Oh, man, Stephon Clark's trial. Uh, I mean, the Clark, <laughs> sorry, it was Stephon Clark's trial, but it was really supposed to be you know, the two officers who shot him, but um, D.A. Schubert spends the first, like, hour talking about Stefan Clark and text messages and Facebook posts and stuff like that, stuff that's completely irrelevant to the night that he got shot, you know what I mean? And she's the D.A. who's supposed to be prosecuting the officers, you know what I mean? And she puts Stefan Clark on trial, as you know, in her initial statement, you know what I mean? So um, this is what I'm talking about, man. Like, this is, if you wanted to keep everybody safe, cops and civilians alike, just hold them accountable. That's it, you know, and it's really that simple. But the fact that, you know, the system is willing to allow whole neighborhoods to burn rather than hold just a few cops accountable, you know, it says a lot to where we're at and how far, you know, that, that, that conversation. How far they're to willing go. to take it. I mean, I would argue that they are beginning to or have already overreached, but we'll see. I think the overreach is going to continue until something breaks. Um, not, yeah, I'm scared of that, but I think that if that's the only way, then like that's, you know, you hope that these conversations are happening. We're going to have a conversation soon with someone who actually interacts with police departments and ask him kind of like what makes him hopeful or not about kind of like, like the, cause I'm like, I, you're right. If I'm a cop and I see what happened in Minneapolis, I'm like, God damn it. Like we're doing so much work to try and turn around this perception and then this yeah, goes and then every police union out there says, you know what? Stand by him. You know, there's what, what? 80 cops outside this fool's house. Straight 80 up, white cops. Up. What Straight kind up. of imagery does that present? 100. And, Fighting, and, you know, protecting him against the community he was serving? Word. And it's people, people think that, um, that, that, your or like you know the the country is mad because of what happened to george floyd and we are however we know like we've been george floyd you know what i'm saying we've been that we, we you know i i know from the inside out what it's like to know an officer is incorrect but have no recourse yeah like i know that there's no point in arguing with him even if i got his badge number there's a video of like uh of somebody trying to complain to like uh 28 uh, police departments in Florida and getting kicked out before they could even file the complaint. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, 
we're not protesting just because of what happened to George Floyd. We're protesting because we know exactly how that went down. Like that goes down in our hood every day. You know what I mean? Something like that, an egregious overstepping of our rights and infringing on our rights is happening every single day. You know, so that's why people are mad in Sacramento at Sacramento PD or mad in New York at NYPD because of what happened to George Floyd, because we know that that is just common, man. It's just and so It could common, be us. Dude. It yeah. has been us. It and has we'll been be us. us again. You know? Well, before my, uh, this has been a wonderful conversation. I hope that the people who need to hear this, I needed to hear it, you know, again. And I think that this has been extremely instructive. I know how busy you are, man. Um, thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Take care of your family. It's getting crazy out here. Love you. Love you and too, man. I, I'm glad that you, I'm glad you joined us. So thanks, Teddy. Appreciate you, man. All right. 